When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Not exactly the best week for the New York football giants on the field, off the field. So let's dive a little bit deeper into Big Blue, who now get to go play the running gun Miami Dolphins coming up on Sunday down in South Beach, where I know our next guest will probably be bringing some golf clubs and enjoying himself outdoors. He doesn't have to give us an apology, though, because he's one of our favorites. It is, of course... Jordan Renan. Hi, Jordan. How are you? Hey, Dan. You know what? No golf club this week. Not going to get. Just don't, there's not enough time in the day. Sometimes, you know what I mean. <laughs> so, so you chose the beach over the golf. Is that what you did? Is is that how this is working? Yeah, kind of. But I don't know. I'm just. I'm not getting in until like you know two two p.m. on the Saturday. Just that that'll be a that'll be a tight squeeze. It's not worth it. Yeah, he's gonna have to so stroll a, up. And I have... heard there's other things to do in Miami. Yeah, Jordan's going to bring the roller. You're going to be rollerblading up and down uh, South Beach there, you know, seeing the sights and everything. That's what you're going to be doing. Definitely. A1A, that's my spot. That's your spot. Um, All right. So make sense of this last couple of days here. And and here's the first question I have. And and I've never had an opportunity to talk to him. Obviously, you have. But all indications are Evan Neal's not a bad guy, is he? No, I never got the the impression that he's a bad guy. Uh, you know, so maybe he had a little chip on his shoulder. So it doesn't surprise me that he would, you know, just the way he carries himself and talks, you know, it's always like, not always, but there's been times where you're like, you know, he answers me. He's like, it's, it's like, uh, why are you asking me that question? You know, like you get that kind of response. So, uh, but by no means do I, a mean-spirited person or a bad person in general you hear only good things about him so yeah a little surprising i think it was it's more just uh like you said it was frustration for sure and it was more just like a slip of like he was trying to make a point and he went somewhere with his words that he definitely shouldn't have because it made him sound arrogant right Mm -hmm. like he's better than everybody else uh but to be fair I mean, that's an attitude that, <laughs> that that's pretty prevalent in locker rooms, especially because if you think about it, these guys are getting – think about what you get on social media, right, Dan? Mm-hmm. When they play poorly, the things that they get on social media are, you know, crazy. I mean, it's just craziness. It's from the lowest common denominator most of the time. People that would – first of all, who else – who would just tweet at somebody and ask them in tweets, and say disparaging things about them. You have to, you're out of your mind to do that, right? Right. And, but it happens a lot, and I think that's kind of where why a lot of these athletes are the way they are towards the fans at this point. And then I asked Darius Slayton about this too. Mm-hmm. I said, when you're a young guy in the league, you think they understand like what the fans are? That the fans are the people that pay their salaries? And he said, no, they they really they don't they don't know the the NFL you know economic system at this point of their careers they don't really put two and two together they don't really get that part of it so you know that's why you have the the 
attitude towards fans that I think he got there. Well, and you know what? Other guys got to him, whether it was, you know, his teammates, whether it was the PR staff, whoever it is. And you had other guys in that room speaking out about it today, too, whether it was Saquon, whether it was Darren Waller. You know, they understood. And the last thing that they want to have is this thing blow up any further. But at least for a couple of days, it took the distraction away from the on-field product, which we know is as bad as it's been now in quite some time. And, and I said, you know, Jordan, I said this the, the, the day after. Is that a good thing? Well, I, I think is it a, is a good you thing. Think, you think that's a good thing to take the attention off, but then you got this firestorm going on, you know. Well, it's basically right. You got like the fire burning on both ends of the forest, and you're going to decide which one you're going to put out first. That, that that's what it is. But it almost to me seems like that we're watching the pre-Brian Dayball New York Giants. Like, this is almost like the Joe Judge Giants, and last year was like a dream. It never even happened. Like, we went from 2021 right to the start of 2023. How did it get to this point? Well, let me just say this, Dan. The cracks were actually there in the, in the foundation a little bit. Like, remember, Brian Dayball got in Daniel Jones' face and yelled at him in Tennessee, right? They just happened. What did they do that game? They won the game. Yeah. They had two games where they, um, I think two times last year, they had 10 men on the field and gave up a touchdown, right? He put a Dory Jackson back, returned punts, and he got injured, and it was a costly injury for them. But guess what happens? When you win, it's the ultimate deodorant, right? So you're willing to just put those things aside look at all the positives, but there were some things last year where you're like, okay, you know, this is, you know, he's, these things are, are going on. But as long as you're winning, I guess it's fine. But you stop winning all of a sudden, you're like, why is he yelling at Daniel Jones? Why is he embarrassing Daniel Jones? It's great when it works, right? And they come back mm-hmm. and win the game, but it's not great when they don't all of a sudden, when, you know, when they end up losing the game and losing handily, by the way. So yeah, it's... yeah I think that's kind of why we're at, where we're at this year. And look, we knew this coming in, right? We said that the schedule's just that much harder. And I think I told you, I, I think I told you this a hundred times. Like, we'll, you know, we, we've been doing this a lot since, you know, the summer. The two things that concerned us most were the offensive line, derailing the offense, and the depth on this team. And it's, it's just a perfect storm. It's the worst nightmare, right? What are the two biggest problems they've had right now? Their offensive line and their depth, right? They've lost. Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas, they can't. Those are two guys that couldn't afford to lose. They, who do they have behind them? And that's why we have what we have going on here. Now, there's a lot of things. Now, we've talked about this a lot, you and I. How do you address and what's their excuse for these slow starts? I mean, 77-9 to nine in the first half of four games. I, I mean, that's inexcusable. Like, why are they coming out of the gates so slow here? Why can't they get anything going? Yeah, unfortunately, it's been like that all game, every game, except for that one half, which kind of tilts the numbers. That's true. So I don't even know if it's just a really slow start. I think it's just they're playing poorly. They're playing really poorly, right? They're they're not executing. They're making a lot of mistakes, silly mistakes. I mean, the, the I don't even know how to explain the special teams mistakes the other day. Oh. How do you get flagged six times on special teams in one game alone? And we're talking about, you know, a legal procedure, holding on the long snap, like things you just never see. So, I don't know. I mean, first of all, I think they need what, you know, I remember covering Andy Reid. That was always the thing with Andy Reid. He was known for great scheming, you know, at the start of games, right? Like he yep. has the 15, 
you know, scripted plays and they always score early, but then the halftime adjustments weren't great, which he obviously figured out at some point. Uh, but, you know, Brian Dayball and company need to do a better job of scheming up offense early. And at the same time, you know, now that I say that, when I think about it, there's been two games where they drove down the field, but they got stuffed on fourth down. Two of the four games on the opening drive, so they were moving the ball. But then the e-mistakes, sacks, miscues uh, are really derailing this team. So, I, I personally, I think that, and I, I think we've mentioned this before, they got a little hoodwinked internally. Not, I'm talking about the locker room, not the, not the front office. By their success last year, I think the players thought that they're a little, they were a little better, especially the way, the way they were talking for the last, you know, at the end of last year and into this year. I think they thought they did something that they didn't, you know, in terms of accomplishment. Jordan Renan joining us here in his weekly spot, 98.7 ESPN. You brought up special teams, and this might be grasping for straws here, but it's just, look, when, when you have this much things go bad with the football team, why not throw it out there? Because I mentioned it the next day after the game. You don't like the way Eric Ray is back there fielding punts. I get it. But why, oh, why do you put a Dory Jackson back there when that is how he hurt himself last season? Like, really? It's not like the Giants are operating from a position of strength in the secondary either. That's a guy you can ill afford to lose. Why do that again? Yeah. Uh, I agree with you 100%. We asked. They just thought that Dory Jackson had the best chance to, like, at least catch the punt right from uh, Dixon from Seattle that he has a lot of different kinds of punts. and But it is weird. Here's even why it's weirder. So the beginning of every practice, they run special teams, right? Like that's one of the few things we're allowed to actually see. When they do it, there's a, there's a bunch of guys that go and return punts. You know, same like three or four guys every day catch punts basically. Dory Jackson isn't even one of the guys that does it regularly. Yeah. So it's even more head scratch. It's like, wait a minute. You know, it's usually Eric Gray – uh, Darius Clayton, Paris Campbell was, was catching some today. But, like, Adore Jackson's usually, like, off doing other things, you know, doing one-handed catches with the wide receivers or something while they're doing special teams. So, for him to do it, I don't know. It, it, but it's not surprising, though, in that Brian Dayball, we asked him in retrospect, I don't remember when, but, like, sometime in the offseason, maybe it was even the owners' meetings, you know, did he regret putting Adore Jackson back? And he said no. Injuries happen, so that's how mm. that's what they believe. I just don't understand it because you don't have depth there. So if you do have injury, yes, injuries happen, but you can't. If you lose a Dory Jackson, what does your quarterback group look like? It's awful. So it, it, the, the the gains aren't enough for me because it's not like with Dory Jackson, Odell Beckham in his time, who's going to return, you know, zigzag around the field for a touchdown. We haven't seen him do anything in the NFL ever as a punt returner. It's right. totally head scratching for me. I don't get it. They just thought he was their best chance to catch the punts without phone going. Yeah, and it's not like they signed them and gave him that big contract to come and return punts either. They did it to go out there and play corner, which is even more head scratching. He lost the punt return job in Tennessee, I believe. Like I know even, he hasn't even really done it in the NFL. By the way, Eric Gray also lost the punt return job at Oklahoma because he fumbled, and he's been shaky like since ever since he started. Like I don't know why. It, they're they're trying to shoehorn him in there. We've been saying this for weeks. Like, it's only a matter of time before he fumbles one. And then well, happens. looking ahead to this week, 
you know, one of the things that stands out about the Giants, and you could sit there and say, well, the defense didn't play all that bad, which I guess it didn't, but compared to the offense, anything is going to look good. But one thing that does stand out is that this defense does not tackle very well. And when you look at this opponent, Jordan, that they have coming up on Sunday, they make their living on yards after the catch. If the Giants are going to tackle as shoddily as they did the other night and have been tackling, Miami might put 70 up again. Yeah. uh, They did better, I think, the other night. That one play obviously sticks out. But they were better on the tackling. And I think that one play kind of sticks out because it's like those shouldn't have been missed tackles. The sidelines right there just use it as your friend. But they worked on it last week. You did see improvement. So I think there is some optimism on that end. This isn't going to be a team that's going to be missing tackles all the time. Because let's be fair. Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey are the best in the league at that, right? Like that's right. their they're next level. And they made them look silly. So, like, yes, I get it. Like, Tyree Kill will run by you. But Tyree Kill's not running through you and miss tackle. You know, like, miss tackle. So, it's a different kind of challenge. I think, you know, they're going to have trouble with them. But I don't think that's the biggest concern. I think it's like, can we – do we have the cornerbacks to, to hang with these guys? Speed last. It's it, it, it. I mean, it could really get ugly. It it really and truly can. How is the offensive line going to line up for this? Who's playing? Who's not playing? Who's available? Yeah, I mean Andrew Thomas, John Michael Smith, two starters obviously, and Shane Lemieux have not practiced this week, so you could pretty much cross them off the list. They're they're probably none of them. Are, there's probably not a chance any of them will play. Most likely, all three get ruled out tomorrow. So left to right, we're talking about Josh Azudu, who lost the right guard battle in training camp starting at left tackle. Uh, Mark Lewinsky, who lost the right guard spot after one game because he was so bad. Ben Bredesen, who's out of position, is is definitely a better guard than he is center. He's at center. Right guard is Marcus McKeithen, who might have been the worst of the offensive linemen the other day. Him and Azudu. It's a pretty good competition in the North Carolina competition. There you go. Uh, he's at right guard. And right tackle is the embattled Evan Neal, who hasn't been very good. And now this week, obviously, put a huge, huge spotlight on him that he really didn't need. So, yeah. Uh, you tell me, Dan, where is the above-average player out of that group? So the offensive line is basically a shoddy unit. The defense is having problems tackling. The... Um, Let's see, the defense still has not forced a takeaway all season yet Zero. through four games. I believe they're the only team in the NFL to do that. Uh, so I guess it all lies on the offense to go out there and score some points, and I'm sure that the quarterback's confidence is at an all-time high right now, right? The offense is averaging like 12.5 points a game, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah Basically all coming in one way, game. And I know they have zero turnovers for somehow this unit, because I think turnovers eventually will come with this unit. They're pressuring at a pretty good rate. They're sixth in pass rush win rate in the entire league at over 50% uh, pass rush win rate. So uh, their best bet is to, you know, be able to pressure Tua into some mistakes and get some of those turnovers. Because there's been opportunities. Remember that San Francisco game, that first half could have been very different. There was some there was some plays out there that, that, that you know, could have turned into turnovers, maybe some bad breaks, and then just them not making plays. But, uh yeah, that to me is their best bet to try and pull up to here. I, I mean, but let's think about it, Dan. Like, what, percentage-wise, what would you put on a chance of the Giants winning? 
25%. Yeah, I was going to say around 20. But guess what? That's almost like my 20%. That's like 19.9% higher than last week, than next week, I mean. Oh, so. Well, I mean, look, (laughs) what is your defense going to hold Miami to? Like, I'm not saying Miami's going to score 70, and I'm not even saying they're going to – but let's just assume that Miami's going to put up at least 28 points in this football game. Do you have faith in the giant offense to go out there and and score that many points with the way they're operating right now with no offensive line and no dependable passing threat that you have going for you right now either? No, I don't. They have How, to and find by the way, a way to he, slow down the game. And muck, they have to muck it up. They have to find a way to muck it well, up and slow it down. And that, that obviously means running the ball because those guys we named, most of them on the offensive line are probably better run blockers than they are pass protectors. So they haven't shown any willingness to do it this year, but I, I really don't see any other you know, game plan that makes sense for them here this week. Well, I haven't seen the weather. The best thing they can hope for is maybe you get, like, the mud bowl part two and it's, like, raining the entire afternoon to slow the game down. That might be the only thing to neutralize Miami's yeah. speed. One other thing, though, before I, I let you like, go. I don't like the chances of that. I might, I might have peaked. I don't like the chances of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you don't like the chances for that one. Waller. No. He's kind of set. Waller said all the right things here, kind of, but here's the other problem. When you have the bad offensive line, like they kept him last night to chip or Monday night to chip and block, so you're taking your best pass catcher out of the rotation in terms of an available target there. How much longer do you think he's going to play the role of good soldier to where he's not getting the touches that you would expect a high-impact player like him is expected to get? Yeah, I think that was just sort of an in-game thing because Daniel Bellinger went down in the middle of, like, like the first drive, right on that. Right on the tush play. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was a product of that. Uh, He had a bunch of targets, remember, in San Francisco the week before. They just didn't convert them. So I do think that was kind of a one-off. They're going to come here and they're going to have a plan, I would think, that's heavy on Darren Waller. But then again, we thought, hey, Jalen Hyatt's going to get more involved. And they're going to use him in different ways, and we haven't seen that yet either. So, I don't know. Everything they've tried so far this year just hasn't seemed to work. Uh, Logic would say that Darren Waller is going to be more involved, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. They they certainly want to target him. And Daniel Jones, when I asked him about it this week, said he has to do a better job of making sure he gets in the ball. And uh, so I, I would think that's the concentration. Jordan? At least you're getting a trip to South Beach, my friend. Enjoy it. Enjoy the sun. Hey. Enjoy the beach. Enjoy the waves. Enjoy Let's, everything. Um, and then there's a football game on Sunday. Let's leave with a little positivity for Giants fans because I know they're down. Trust me, my mentions are wild these days. <laughs> so let me leave them with this. There yeah. is a shot. There's a shot. I don't know if it's super high at this point, but Saquon Barkley may return this week. He has practiced and done some team reps. And that's usually a fairly decent sign when you do team reps. So there's a chance. I'm not saying it's an 80% chance. It might be a little less than 50. But there's a chance. Well, I'll, I'll add to the positivity if you want to go the anything can happen route. The Bears just took the opening mm-hmm. drive right down the field in less than three minutes and scored on Washington a touchdown. So, hey, maybe pigs can fly after all, right? There you go. Yeah. If you're looking for the Bears for inspiration, Dan, what the heck happens to New York football? We're we're in the beginning of October. Looking for the Bears for inspiration. Oh, I I can't wait for October 29th. Circle your calendars. Jets, Giants, MetLife Stadium, baby. Cannot wait. 
last meaningful New York football game of the year. Oh, don't, don't. I'm not going there yet. I'm not going there yet. Safe travels, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Will do. All right, buddy. There's Jordan Renan. Covers the Giants first here on ESPN. Outstanding stuff from him. And hey, at least he gets a trip to Miami, right? Don't feel bad for Jordan. He gets to go to Miami, enjoy the sun. They'll have some fun. But yeah, how about the Bears going right down the field on Washington? And I haven't really like examined the schedule for Week Five yet, like super closely. But I would like to think that the Dolphins are probably going to be like the most popular survivor pool pick this week in the entire NFL. I would like to think, right? got to be 800-919-3776 more of your phone calls we really haven't done any jets tonight so we'll do some jets and by the way some breaking news adding a little bit more context into the shocking resignation of billy epler which we started the show with this evening robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. A couple of things here. First and foremost, just to finish up on the Giants situation. So, Evan Neal accusing the folks that are booing him as, you know, being guys that are flipping hamburgers and flipping hot dogs or whatever. You can't make this stuff up. This was last summer when I guess our station made the pilgrimage out to Giants training camp when Evan Neal was a rookie. And, you know, we do this stuff for social media. Like, Jake does a great job with that. And he, you know, asks these questions and films them with the different players, you know, non-football-related questions. So they asked a bunch of players last year their favorite food. Cannot make it up. This was Evan Neal's answer to what his favorite food was. Take a listen. Burgers, hands down, favorite food. What was that, Evan? Say it again. Burgers, hands down, favorite food. One more time, Evan, for the people in the back. Burgers, hands down, favorite food. Burgers. So, I mean, at least now he's speaking. There, we, we have clarification. He is an authority on the subject matter. 
So he probably knows burger flippers far and wide from all walks of life, from all corners of the globe, because that is his favorite food. I'm sure he has consumed many a burger over the years. So when he says burger flippers, maybe, just maybe, it comes from a place of endearment. You never know. Maybe. But how ironic is that, right? That is his favorite food. All right. Real quick before we get into the Jets, Billy Epler, Joel Sherman of the New York Post, in case you're just joining us, by the way, in case you were flipping burgers or something like that and just got in your car now or put the app on. Billy Epler announced his resignation late this afternoon, the general manager of the New York Mets. Okay, kind of fishy. We had Anthony DeComo on from MLB.com, covers the Mets. That's uh, on the pod, uh, the, the app, the website, whatever. You can go back and listen to it. Uh, the interview was there. Joel Sherman, the New York Post reporting, as of about 15 minutes ago when we had Jordan on the air, that Billy Epler resigned amid an ongoing Major League Baseball investigation and the probe involves alleged improper uses of the injured list. Now, you could sit there and say, well, wait. I mean, is that really something to lose sleep over? Not to you or me, right? Like, who cares? But there are certain rules that you have to abide by if you are affiliated with Major League Baseball and you're a part of the game. And look, here's a dirty little secret. Teams do this all over the league. All over the league. But the question is, which ones get caught? Right? Like, for instance, before NIL became a thing in college sports, you had... You have all these schools that are, you know, giving players and these hotshot recruits perks and whatever. It's money and gifts and all. Everybody does it. When they say they don't do it, they're just doing it even more so. It's happening all over the place. The only thing is which ones get caught. Some do, some don't. So this stuff happens all over Major League Baseball. Like, for example, remember when our buddy Josh Donaldson was still with the Yankees, right? They kept him on the injured list. For how long with, what what did he have, a calf injury? And then as soon as he was ready to play again, or it sounded like, oh, he's good to go, he's like, yeah, there was nothing nothing wrong with my calf. Nothing. Nothing at all. But then why did they keep him on the injured list for a couple of months? Well, because teams do this. You know, they manipulate the roster a certain way. It allows them some flexibility to get other players on there. They don't want to expose players to, let's say, waivers and then dropping them from the 40-man roster. So they use it to their advantage. But... What was so nefarious about what the Mets were doing that Major League Baseball now had to pry in and figure out that this was something that maybe bended the rules a little bit? And boy, let's just say, for argument's sake, that the Mets get caught here and that they're going to take away draft choices or something like that to penalize them. Wouldn't that stink that the guy who was maybe guilty of the infraction, and maybe he was doing this on his own devices. Maybe Steve Cohen had no idea about this. Maybe Buck Showalter had no idea. Who knows? But isn't it ironic that the guy who is now no longer a part of the organization is going to be the one that suffers the penalty that is left with the Mets, and he's now no longer working for the club? And I just got done saying an hour ago that the legacy of Billy Epler is going to be how these prospects that they acquired in all of these trades at the deadline this past year, that is going to be Billy Epler's legacy. Well, depending on this, maybe this is his legacy. Who the hell knows? Right? It's all part of the story. I personally don't think it's all that serious. I mean, you know. I'll still stick to my credo about the prospects because the players play. 
and that's going to be the future of the New York Mets. But I'm also just trying to think back to, and look, I understand the Mets had a, a rough season, and by the time he got to like late June, early July, they weren't even worth watching anymore. But I'm just trying to remember, like, who, was there one player in particular that they stashed on the injured list, like, the entire season that you forgot about? Or was it just, like, a series of transactions that went along the lines of doing something that you shouldn't be doing? When they made, like, Darren Ruff disappear, they, they, they DFA'd Darren Ruff. It wasn't Darren Ruff. I don't think Vogelback was on the injured list, right? They just didn't play him at the end of the season. And they were button heads, apparently, him and Buck, about whether he should play or whether he should not play. Unbelievable, man. Really and truly. But I, I, look, I understand that David Stearns is here now, and you would like to think that there's better days to come for the Mets. But what a horrible few days this has been for this franchise. Wow. What are we going to find out tomorrow? That Pete Alonzo wants a trade? That he wants out? That, 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 that Scott Boris is going to pick up the phone and call Steve Cohen and David Stearns and say, hey, my guy wants out. Get him out of there. That'll be next. And then you swing by City Field and you go into the team shop and you're going to be able to get all your Pete Alonzo merchandise for like 60% off. Jose is in Brooklyn. Let's get him up here real quick on 98.7 ESPN. Jose, good evening. How the heck are you, my friend? Good evening, Dan. And I'm doing fantastic this evening. Had a pretty decent day at work today. Uh, what happened at work? Tell me what made work so outstanding today. Because you know what? We need uh, some positivity in this program right now. No, um, I got to be able to teach some, you know, credential trainings and I got, you know, students actually interested in digital marketing because, you know, some of them were gamers and they have like their own channels and some of them were like interested in kind of being social influencers. So I was just, you know, that's totally up there, you know, alley for skill, for skill building. So, you you know, know what you are, you're like a jack of all trades. I'm going to, you know, instead of the Jose, we're just going to call you Jack. You're jack of all trades because like you. (laughs) You wear so many damn hats, Jose. Like, there's no stopping you. I'm telling you. Uh, you know what it is? is when I, I've learned, you know, because the hard-headed thing that I learned when I was a teacher is you have to be, you know, open-minded and more versatile when you get older. And, you know, and that's something that, you know, I'm gladly learning now as being, you know, doing all the things that I do at my job now. But um, I had some, you know, points here. And I, I'm not, you know, like I said, you know, people think that, you know, I'm here to be that guy. And, you know, I, I get it. But I, I'm just a person that just wants to offer a different perspective. Because I remember around this time last year where, you know, we had a quarterback, you know, Dan, that said something very, you know, wrong at a press conference after a big loss and didn't really. And it came off as him not taking any responsibility, clueless to the room and clueless to even his own locker room. And now uh, the media did jump on him, but there were some that said, that, that, you know, gave him the privilege of saying, hey, he's a kid from BYU, you know, he, 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 he may not be well-trained and averse to New York media, et cetera, et cetera. And we did hear those, you know, com- th- th- those, you know, points. And those points ended up being, you know, as an excuse for, you know, him being immature and, you know, he can still grow. And that's the point that I want to make with, you know, with Mr. Neal. He made a very bad comment where he sounded very arrogant and 
apparently he put down a lot of hardworking people and a lot of burger flippers around the world, you know, because that's how people want to turn it into, into a sport, slow sports media, which, you know, I totally, which he has to totally understand that's fair game. But he's still very young and might not be well averse to, you know, being eloquently a, a, a great speaker. And at the end of the day, when we were 23, and even though some of us were well-spoken, there are a lot of things that we knew were not good and we still did it. It's called living off of experience. So that's all I wanted to say. And shout out to the company. Thank you, guys. Jose, great stuff as always. Or I should say Jack. He's now Jack in Brooklyn. Mr. Jack of all trades. Now, look, you know what? Zach Wilson, if he's going to make the analogy between Zach Wilson and Evan Neal, Zach Wilson had those comments that he would like to take back or he wanted to take back when? In his second year in the NFL last year. Evan Neal, second year in the NFL. Still learning the ropes. Right? You know, they didn't commit any crimes. They didn't murder anybody. They didn't, you know, steal an old lady's shopping bag or something like that. It's, you know, it's, it's an honest mistake. It happens. And they walked it back. And now you got to be better from it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. So the Jets got themselves a pretty big game coming up on Sunday. I was out there today, out at Florham Park, making the rounds in the room, doing the, uh, the interviews for Sunday. Great interviews, by the way. Oh, how about, get ready for this, Harvey. You know who we're talking to this week? How about a little Elijah Vera Tucker? Bang. How about that? How about, no, it gets even better. How about Sauce Gardner? Bang! And some other surprises along the way. Talk to those dudes today. Outstanding spots. You'll hear them coming up on Sunday. A little behind the scenes, though. You know what happened to me, Harv, today? Well, I was, um, I think it was the, when I was talking to AVT. I was attacked. You were attacked. I was attacked. I was attacked by one of those deadly lantern flies. Dude, those things are becoming no, like the rage, man. Dude, it's like the pl- it's like a plague out of the Bible with these things, depending on some places where you go. I'm sitting there, and we're just having a nice leisurely conversation. I got my shades on, and all of a sudden, I think it was like the second or the third question, one of those things lands right on one of my frames, on the glasses. Like, I freaked out. I had to, like, flick the damn thing off of my shades, and I'm sitting here next to, like, this massive football player guy, and I'm trying to play it, like, as cool as possible. But I don't do bugs. You know, especially those things. Because the, here's the thing with the lanternfly. The lanternfly are some of the dumbest insects that we have on this planet because they have no shame. They have no courtesy. They will literally just buzz up off the ground, land on your neck, land on your arm, or land even on your sunglasses if they feel like it. They don't ask. They're not courteous. And so you're the one that's left to have to pick up the pieces. And so I did the best I could. I adapted. And hopefully the product didn't suffer too bad. But nevertheless, and I live to tell about it. But the Jets need to win this game on Sunday. I think that goes without saying. 
you know, pretty soon they're not going to be playing teams like this week that are considered some of the elite of the entire National Football League. The Denver Broncos are a beatable team. That is a team the Jets need to beat if they're going to do something with the rest of the season. They have to beat them. They've got the worst defense in North America. Okay? There are high school teams that might have a better defense than the Denver Broncos. And I'm not saying the Jets are going to go out there and put up 70 points. But this is a club that, with all the positive momentum that you built on Sunday night in the game against the Chiefs, at least offensively, you should be able to carry that with you into Denver. I know that you have altitude. I know it's a difficult place to play at times. But the personnel that you're going to be lining up against, they're not good unless you play right into their hands and make mistakes. And a lot of it is going to zero again on Zach Wilson, who played about as good a game as he's played as a New York Jet in that game against the Kansas City Chiefs. So one of the things that I was joking around about the next day, I said, well, you know, Zach played so well. What's behind it? Well, how about the fact that he ditched the headband, right? Played without the headband, and he looked like a guy who was the number two overall pick in this draft. So Zach met the media today, and he was asked, well, why no headband? As the weather starts to cool down a little bit, I feel like I don't need it as much. So, you know, I brought it back out for these last two practices, but it's slowly going away. I did that last year, too, if you actually go back in some of our later games, stopped wearing it. But it's funny, people bring attention to it, you know. It's like, he wasn't wearing it, he was, you know. It's, it's funny. Hey, if that was me, and I played the way he played on Sunday night without the headband, however many I own in my collection, I'm having a massive bonfire in the backyard, and I'm burning them all. You know, bring a witch doctor, whatever you got done, Get all the bad spirits, the bad juju, whatever it is, out into the atmosphere. Goodbye and away from me. And how about the offense, more importantly? How they played on Sunday? What about trying to set that as the standard moving forward? Yeah, I would say what I was feeling out there was similar to what I feel like I've been feeling since OTAs. So I think it felt good to be able to finally bring something from practice and the rhythm, the momentum, getting first downs. And this isn't just me, this is the whole offense, you know, together being able to move the ball that way, I think felt awesome, you know, and that's something that needs to be the standard to do every week. Now, in the background, they weren't emptying trash cans. Nobody was playing like the bongos or anything like that. That was a spirited I think it was either like a five or six round battle in cornhole between Jeremy Ruckert and Tyler Conklin, two of the tight ends. And when I say epic, like it never ended. It, it, it just it, it never ended. It just kept on going and going and going. And, and that, it was high stakes cornhole. And then they do the press conferences kind of like just off to the side there. So that's why you hear those beanbags hitting the, the wood. But look, this is the time, right? You've got an opponent that you should beat. You got your offensive coordinator who took a lot of heat in the media, a lot of it from his successor in Denver who decided to flap his gums when he probably shouldn't have over the summer and who's now, you know what, not exactly setting a pretty high standard so far in his first four games taking over the operation. So you know that the Jets are going to want to go in there and play as good a game as possible, especially on the offensive end. Now, it would be different, of course, if Rodgers was playing. If Rodgers was playing, they would try to probably go put 70 points up on the scoreboard against the Broncos on Sunday. But, of course, he's injured. But this offense should continue on with the momentum that they showed against the Chiefs. Get the run game going. Denver's run defense is probably the weakest part of that unit. Get Brees Hall on track. No more pitch count. Wouldn't it be something... If Brees Hall breaks out and has his so-called breakout game here in year number two in the place where his freshman season ended after scoring a touchdown in that game 
in Denver last year, and he suffered the torn ACL. By the way, all you Jet fans out there, and even if you're not a Jet fan, a football fan, or just an entertainment fan, or a fan of good sports documentaries, go on YouTube, go on Jets.com, and check out the new documentary that dropped this afternoon. I think it's called Brees, on Brees Hall. What the folks over at 1JD Films, my buddies, over the last eight months, they chronicled Brees Hall's every waking move. Basically, from the minute after he had surgery and began his rehab to getting back to the point where he is right now, as one of the top young backs in the game, they literally were with him stride for stride every step of the way. Behind closed doors, you get access, which is unprecedented, because those guys are the best at what they do. So 1JD Films, Brees, the documentary, go check that out on YouTube and Jets.com. But if you're a Jet fan, you get this game, you get to 2-3. and three. Then you got Philadelphia coming into your building next week. And look, you're going to be an underdog in that game. But even though the Eagles haven't lost the game, it's not like they've been unbeatable. Three of the four games they played, they've been one-score games. They've kept teams around. And the Jets have never beaten the Eagles in the history of the franchise. And I'd like to think that maybe that number is past due. And what better way to end it than coming up next Sunday? So at the very least, you're 2-4, and four, maybe 3-3 three and three going into the bye week. And then that schedule gets a little bit more manageable after that. You know, you're talking about the Giants, the Chargers, the Raiders, three teams that are all struggling, and those are all winnable games. So even if you're 2-4, and four, if you take care of business even in those three, you're 5-4 and four with eight more games to play, and you got a full season in front of you. You know, you look at that December schedule. you got the Falcons at home, the Texans at home, the Commanders at home. Season is far from over, but they got to take care of business on Sunday against the Bronco team they should beat. Danny in Long Island up next here on 9870 ESPN. Dan, how are you? Yeah, about a month ago, we thought the Texans and the Falcons were going to be pushovers. But now, all of a sudden, let's flip the script. And that's why the National Football League is the best sport, because you have no idea. Things that were said exactly a month ago today. How did that work out for the Steelers, the Bengals, uh, a lot of other teams? You can't, you can't and, and, and Dan, what's it going to look like in another month? What's it going to look like in another month, right? But for the Jets, it has to right. It has to start by beating this team, and they can't afford to have the kid have a relapse because that'll suck the life out of the building again. You'll be right back to where you were uh, ten days ago. Uh, and you're right, like just like any other game, you have to run the ball, and for his sake, you have to run the ball effectively to take the pressure off him. You know, I just want to say one thing. You know, people were bitching about the uh, the bad call. It was a questionable call, no doubt, but it also you hear people talking about reviewing penalties. You can't allow a, re- uh, you can't have a referee establish how much contact he's going to allow for, for 59 minutes of the game, and then have a guy in the booth who has no idea what the referee's being allowing to suddenly review a play and say, "No, that either was or wasn't holding or interference." It's like having a different referee during the basketball game. No, the ref, the cornerback. That corner referee establishes the contact. And last but not least, equally atrocious call on the safety on, on the Chiefs that resulted in the holding penalty. That call clearly happened on the two-yard line. Should never have been a safety. That cost the Chiefs seven or nine points, I think. So refereeing is always a problem. It's a very fast game. But, again, here we are. And, by the way, rest in peace, Dick Buckus. Yep. And don't play the Bears, apparently, on the night that Dick Buckus has passed. Uh- 
because this team is playing out of their minds right now. Well, and, and not only that, and Dan, thanks a lot for the phone call. I was just going to say, I don't know how much they're inspired by the passing of Dick Butkus, but it's 17-0 Bears a minute into the second quarter. And remember, this is a Washington team that's at home that's supposed to have the advantage on a short week, and this is a team that quite that close went into Philadelphia and almost beat the Eagles last week, lost in overtime. And, and the Bears are team turmoil. Remember, the Bears blew what? Was it a 28-3 lead or whatever, the, the, uh, the crummy Broncos at home last week? And on a short week, travel, come to Washington, and now they're up 17 nothing. Can't figure this league out. Here's the thing about the officiating, guys. If it's a foul or a penalty two minutes into the game, it should be a foul or a penalty two minutes left in the game. Just be consistent. That's all anybody asks for. We're out of time for tonight, though. This was a fun one. A lot of stuff happening even during the show. Anthony DeComo, thanks for hopping on. Jordan Renan. Thanks for joining as well. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to Harvey. We'll be back with you again at 6.30, right after TMKS, our big football Friday extravaganza. Larry and Gordon are coming up next, everybody. Dan Gross is saying so long on 98.7 ESPN. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.